Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com This is our latest obsession. What is it? It's a little watered down. It's a concoction of yuzu, pineapple, Japanese whiskey, simple syrup, orange bitters, and topo chico. And it's delicious. Are you fucking kidding me? I need that right now. It's delicious. Like, uh, okay, <laughs> we have become obsessed with yuzu, with yuzu, the, the fruit. Yeah. We had we went to like a su- a sushi place and they had this like pineapple yuzu drink that um had Japanese whiskey in it and it was so delicious. Oh. And so I went to go look online to find it and I found a recipe that is kind of what this close approximate approximation is of this. Um but it's really hard to find yuzu juice. Did you go to like an Asian market? Um so I, I looked, I, I tried looking online to see if I could find it like in the local area. I couldn't. I probably maybe I should go to uh, but like we ordered first we ordered Okay. Oh. <laughs> First, we ordered like this bottle, and it was like seventeen dollars, and the bottle was like this big. No. And I was like, "That's enough for like two drinks." Oh and my then god. Cassie <laughs> ordered a yuzu tree <laughs> to start growing our own yuzu fruit. <laughs> That's like a long term solution. And then we found out that Monin, the the people that make the sort of the, like flavors that people use in like coffees and whatnot have like a puree line and one of the purees is yuzu puree so we ordered like bottles of it so we have like these bottles of monin <laughs> yuzu puree to make drinks <laughs> all right yeah okay so that's what i'm drinking our lovely patron people can can see the I just it's a little watered down because it. I made it like about thirty minutes ago, and then I forgot to drink it. So it's the ice is. <laughs> oh, I want one. The so ice bad. is the melting. Anyway, 
Anyway, guess, welcome back to, uh, <laughs> to for something else <laughs> to cocktail hour. Uh, Little cuts, our weekly mini soda. We dig into the things that we've been watching and or reading slash listening to. Uh, I'm Terry, and I am Mary Beth. This week we're talking a spooky autumnal story, cannibals in love, an expensive meal, a wild true crime series, and so many beaver jokes. All the beaver jokes. So many beaver jokes. Anyway, um, so tell yeah. me, <laughs> just some beavers is quite an experience. Um, anywho, uh, so what's this spooky autumnal story? <laughs> <laughs> so I've been wanting to, to, so it's an audiobook. It's, uh, okay. um, I've been wanting to listen to this particular book for a while or read it. Um, but I was like, they're supposed to be releasing this movie at some point. So I was going to wait off to listen oh. to it. And I don't know where this movie is, but Dark Harvest, yep, the David Slade directed movie that is done was supposed to be to release like I don't know sometime in the last two years. Don't know where it's at. It was supposed to come out this Halloween. I thought that was like yeah. the thing. It was supposed to come think, out this year. I thought it was supposed to come out last year too. Like they talked Probably. about releasing it in twenty twenty one, and it was just like I, I don't know where it's at. Um, so I was like, I finally, I wanted to after listening to. Corn in the er, corn. Oh my god! Clown in the cornfield. Corn in the clown field. <laughs> Can you uh-huh. imagine? It's just like rows of clowns, and then there's like a single corn. Stop it. Anyway, um, I I wanted why something. Would you, why would you ever fucking say that? <laughs> How dare you? How dare I? How dare you say this to me? <laughs> I wanted to watch something. Um, or watch something. God, what what are words? <laughs> I I quit. This has been scarred for life. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> I wanted to to listen to something spooky, autumnal, and I was like, "This is a a short book. It's four and a half hours to listen." Oh. Um, and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna finally listen to this since who knows when the movie's coming out at this point." Yeah. And so this is a story about this small town, 1963. Every year, this being emerges from. The pumpkin field, and they call him the October Boy, or old hacksaw, hacksaw face, or Sawtooth Jack, like he has a bunch of names. And every Halloween, he the- ram he rampages through town, and the, the- <laughs> it's almost like a purge esque like like thing because like every every Halloween they lock the, the their teenage sons away for five days without feeding them, and then they let them loose on the streets of this town on Halloween to hunt the October boy and kill him and then eat his candy insides. What in the good goddamn are you talking about? <laughs> um, and if that's the... what this movie is about. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what this movie is. Uh-huh. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and um Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ whichever, flies. Yeah. Whichever um teenage boy ends up killing the October boy, their family gets a new house, a new car, and the boy gets a bunch of money and he's sent out of town. And so like the town is very sequestered. Um no one ever leaves except for I guess this one boy that ends up succeeding and killing the act it's a little weird the story's a little weird Wait, it's not so what i was expecting does everyone kill every year does the october boy have to be killed or he like every, ends the every world? year 
I don't, I don't know what happens if he reaches the center of town. I don't know. That's my one complaint is that because this is like a novella, it feels more on the short story side. It's more of like a story that is told around a campfire. It has like this. Uh, okay. I'm like, I need to understand the lore. I need the rules. <laughs> that is, that is the one thing I had a problem with is that there's really not a whole lot of like lore behind the town or what happens if, if Sawtooth Jack gets to the church in the center of town yeah. or all that kind of stuff. Like there's a lot of these implications that I'm like, I want to know more about, but the story doesn't want to tell you that. Now I think listening to this book is the way to experience this story. Um, oh, the, narr- really? the narrator is named Vicus Adam and he has a voice that is like smoke and whiskey and it's dark Ooh. And it, the way the story is written, it's it's like an omniscient narrator talk, talking to you as if you've experienced the story before, like as if mm-hmm. you were one of the teenage boys that hunted um, Sawtooth Jack at one point. And so it has a very like campfire quality of like getting around and having someone tell a story to you. And his performance is so good. It is so good. It's probably the best oh, yeah. performance I've I've heard in an audiobook. It is just it's perfect. And yeah. yeah, I had a really good time with this. It's not what I was expecting. <laughs> I yeah, had, that's like, a lot the of same... things you just said at me. I know. I had the same reaction once I first started listening and I was like, wait, why is he locked in his room? Wait, he's been locked in the room for five days. This happens every what like what is happening? <laughs> um but it, it was it ended up being a really good, a really good listen, very quick listen, and the perfect autumnal horror movie horror story to experience cool so i definitely recommend it particularly as an audiobook really well done going from that to oh i can't wait i want to hear about cannibals in love oh i want to see this so bad okay so yesterday i saw the new luca guadagnino movie Mm. bones and all which stars both timothy chalamet um and taylor and taylor russell who she's not she's newer but she's um she you could see her and she's an escape with the escape room movies oh that's right okay yeah she's in both the escape room movies as like the main character and she is the main character in this movie and she is absolutely fucking phenomenal. So this movie takes place in the 1980s. A young girl named Marin is a cannibal. She and her dad is trying to like, you know, keep her safe and hide her away. But then, you know, she bites somebody and he basically says, I can't do this anymore. And like kind of lets her off on her own. And so it becomes this like kind of road movie as she travels across the country to find her mother and she meets other people like her and they call themselves eaters. So they're cannibals, but they call themselves eaters and they can smell each other. And then she meets Timothy Timothy Chalamet's Lee and they get together and it becomes this like beautiful kind of like weird love story about them like driving across the country together in this truck and meeting like weird other like other types of eaters like Michael Stolberg who's also in all of Luca Guadagnino's stuff he was the dad and call me by your name mm-hmm. plays a terrifying character he's only in the movie Ooh. for about five minutes but he's so scary and it's a it's a cannibal movie but it's so much more than that 
It is this absolutely beautifully moving portrait about found family and trying to accept who you are and finding other people who will accept you for who you are and how fucking difficult that is and like grappling with your own traumas and monstrosity and finding things to love about yourself in the face of it all. And it's just like, it's absolutely gorgeous. I, I just, Luca Guadagnino, I can't even, like, begin to even explain how this man creates these these stories. Like, it's a story that could so easily be exploitative, like a girl who's a cannibal. But it's, there's cannibalism in it, but it's not about cannibalism. Like, there's the moments where they obviously have, like, there's there are nasty moments. It's very gory, but it's not, like, about spectacle and about showing you them like devouring a body like in a or a long take it's just using that to kind of supplement a story about belonging and finding people who love you for who you are i'll be fucking damned if a cannibal movie did not make me cry my goddamn eyes out i left the screening room and i was like crying on the train home it was just like it's beautiful it's it's fucking it's like i <laughs> it might be my favorite movie of the year like it, it's <laughs> it's so cool he and makes he's incredible such a good movies he's incredible he like, understands the like he... the heart yes also it's like kind of queer too but like also oh, yeah. i think all found family movies are like inherently queer and like leaving home to find the people who love mm-hmm. you but there's like a lot of interesting kind of queer subtext going on as well okay but anyway at least i think so but i'm we also just love seeing queer things but it's just like oh, and yeah, also look at Nino. all of his work is like is queer and mm-hmm. and so like it, he imbues that with like kind of a queer gaze which i think is really interesting he just knows how to make characters who you ache for yeah like you just want them to be so happy and your heart fucking breaks for them like you he makes characters you can so easily fall in love with but then yes. like are devastated by. He makes you fall in love with his characters and then breaks your heart and it's fucking rude. It really is. It's fucking rude. It really rude. is. He Call is... me by your name? Snot. Mess. Garbage. This movie That movie garbage. fucking destroyed me. Just ugh, fuck me. He knows how to shoot an a goddamn gut punch of an ending shot. Let me tell you something. Anyway, so that's he's, uh, he's just good. I'm so excited to hear that. I, It's one of the movies. I think it's actually my most anticipated movie this year. Uh, I, really? Yeah, I'm really hoping because like, I think it's opening up the end of this month. And I hope it's like. It's, it opens up around Thanksgiving, which is my fucking favorite thing of all time. It's a I hope it's not a movie. Is it a wide release? I hope I'm it's a wide sure. release. I'm not sure. I really want to see it so fucking bad. You have no I idea. I think it might be, though. The, Sha- the Chalamet has a big draw. I tweeted about it, and all the Chalamet stands are all up in my oh, shit. In a good way, so but, like, Chalamet they're crazy. Stands. Uh-huh. And he's, he's, you know, I wish I thought he was hot. I really wish. He's, he's, it's just, he's so shirtless in this movie, and he just looks like a, a little fish. He just looks like a little skin. <laughs> He just looks like a sexy golem, and it's just like a lot for me to take in. The thing, okay, he is not my type at all. I think he, I think he's attractive. He's not, he's not my type at all. But there is something about the way he interacts with his co-stars that makes that makes it feel as if like that is the only person in that in his life. Like the way he looks at people. I thought this in. Um, and call me by your name, but then he was also in 
Ladybird? Yeah, Ladybird. His his yeah. interactions with Ladybird, like it, he makes you feel as if like that other person is the only person for him, regardless of whether that's true or not. Like that is the way that he imbues his characters, and he there's something so I don't know. There's a lot of chemistry, and there's something so charismatic about him that I just I can't help but not find him like super cute. Have you seen the video of him like da- rapping and dancing in his like sweatpants at like a school no. play? Oh my god! It's so there's this fucking hilarious video when he was in high school and he was rapping and he was like hip hop. <laughs> he was like hip hop. It. He was like hip hip hop. <laughs> Jesus Christ! He was like hip hop dancing, and. He- there's a scene in this movie where I'm like, oh my god, he's channeling his earlier performance as a child. It's very funny. It's not a spoiler, but like, there's just a fight where he's like dancing around, and I'm like, oh my god, his little noodle body is so weird. He also looks like my brother, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that a little, yeah. You saw like a little bit, like a little bit. It's the hair. Yeah. It's mostly like the hair and the tiny mm-hmm. body, like the tiny hairless body. He's America's twink. But ta- but we're talking a lot about him, but, like, Taylor Russell really is, like, fucking incredible. Like, Hell this yeah. this woman is a superstar. Like, th- her performance in this movie is just, like, the most gorgeous thing. Like, this is, like, one of my only five-star movies of the year. Like, I just can't tell you anything wrong with it. I, I have brain worms. I don't... I'm usually not a person to get these kinds of brain worms from movies. It's like, makes me think of, like, Stan Twitter. I, I'm gonna be one of those fucking feral weirdos on the internet talking about this <laughs> cannibal movie. I swear to God, I'm gonna just become one of them because it's so good. I can't wait for everyone to see it and be like, you're a fucking moron. <laughs> just kidding. A lot of people have said they liked it on the, on the internet. So I can't wait. Oh, anyway, uh, that's that's Bones and All. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. See it when you can, y'all. It is absolutely incredible. Yes, it is two hours and ten minutes long. It's perfect movie. Don't worry about it. It's a movie that's allowed to be that long. I wanted it to be longer. <laughs> so Luca Guadagnino can do whatever the fuck he wants. I will watch uh, a four-hour yeah, movie. Yeah, he by, has proven by that he can do whatever he, he wants. Um. Anyway, uh, let's go from like cannibals in love eating. There's Speaking a culinary, it's a cannoli. A cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> <A canolinary laughs> uh. uh, what are culinary, words? Culinary, culinary <laughs> connection. There sure is. What is this expensive meal, Terry? Oh my gosh. So we both ended up seeing uh, the menu yesterday. Uh, Mark Mylod, I think is his name. I the director. So. Yeah. Uh, starring Ralph Fiennes, Anna Taylor, everyone. Anna Ta- An- An- Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, John Leguizamo, Arturo Castro, who I know from Broad City. Hong uh, Chow, isn't it? Hong Chow is incredible. Incredible in this movie. Judith Light, like just everyone. A lot of character actors. An incredible ensemble cast of character actors. And it is about uh, these very rich people who pay twelve fifty a head. Which I'm going to be perfectly honest, does not seem that exorbitant. Like it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm just going out there and dropping twelve fifty on a meal, but like in terms of the clientele, I didn't think it was that expensive. Ah, uh, maybe the wine wasn't included, or was it all included? I, I felt like it was all included. Huh. I don't know. 
Anyway, that just, yeah. I don't know. That, way outside my price point, but I'm just saying that in terms of, like, the people that this is supposed to get, 12 people in this place, very rich, it doesn't seem that exorbitant. But anyway, yeah, anyway. a lot of rich people show up on this island where they're very self-sufficient. They have, like, their own gardens. They have their own little beehives. They catch their own fish. Uh, they sleep in a barracks, pretty much, which is weird. And they prepare, like, a... I mean, I lost count of how many courses there are in this movie. It's, a, it's over eight. <laughs> it's a lot of courses. And it's, like, a supposed to be, like, a four-hour uh, meal. Four-hour and 35-minute 16-course meal. <laughs> That doesn't get done until, like, 2 in the morning, and it's always, like, the menu is, like, impeccably sourced and tells a story, and you don't know what the story is going to be until the very end. And Ralph Fiennes plays the the chef, and he has a very uh, dedicated group of chefs behind him that will pretty much do what he wants, it seems like. And as the night goes on, things start to take weird turns before it turns um, violent. Oh, man. That moment with the sous chef. I was like, oh, my God, here we go. (laughs) Yeah. And I will say that I do think that, like, I don't know. I think the trailer kind of tips its hand a bit too much, unfortunately. I didn't watch the trailer. I, unfortunately, have seen the trailer more times than I care to count because it's one of the few trailers that was playing at Alamo for, like, the last three months so every movie we went to go see i saw this trailer and i saw a trailer for triangle of sadness like those are the two trailers that i could almost probably quote back to you word for word because i've seen them so many fucking times oh no i watched it once but i didn't remember much from it i i just try to even though i write about trailers a lot i try to avoid them like the plague because i do too tell too much yeah but uh this movie's devastatingly funny it's so sneaky and how funny it is too yeah it's because like I don't I don't know how if I sneak is the right way, but it's not like trying to be like, haha, look, it's the joke. It's more like so I'm thinking mostly like with the sommelier who's like pouring the wine and is like just every pour is this like ridiculous kind of just like deadpan given of like it tastes of coffee and fruit and sadness and this just walks away and it's not played like some kind of like comedy skit. He says it like he is an actual sommelier, so it just feels much a little bit more subtle. It's much more, and it, again, it's much more satirical rather than like outright like, haha, food critics are funny, it or food food people are crazy. Like it's so much smarter than that, mm-hmm. and it's so and like they also make so much fucking fun of chef's table with each course that pops up. They have like the description, and as the net, one of my favorite parts, one of my favorite parts of the movie, the description of the courses. Oh my god. They're just so... F- and like Nicholas Holt's character even says, I've watched every episode of Chef's Table like four or five times. Like it's very much picking fun at both the people, the chefs, and then the people who eat the food. It's very much making fun of the entire culture around like fine fine dining, which is incredible because both of my parents are chefs. And... I watch like we watch Chef's Table together, and they always like talk shit or like like you know talk about the chefs or be like, oh that's so like what this is so stupid or like oh it's like they always like are giving their very honest feedback about if this person is like full of shit or if they're actually a good chef and not just like full of themselves. And I I I cannot wait to watch this movie with my parents, like for them to to laugh at it because like it's just I have met so many people that 
Ray finds character is based on in real life. Like, obviously not that extreme, but, like, I have met so many, like, old pompous chefs Mm -hmm. through my parents and have heard about so many of them. It's so fucking funny to see, like, the militant attitude of the kitchen and the way people act in those kitchens when they work with a chef. And, like, it's just so fucking spot on and hysterical. Like, just comment. Like, it's funny for anybody. I'm not saying this because of, like, I had to, I have, like, Russian history, like, Russian experience, but it's just that nails it so good. <laughs> it's so funny. And the culture around food with, like, foodies oh, in particular. Because, yes. like, I, I'm. <laughs> I'm a foodie, but like there is another level in that Nicholas Holt's character kind of represents where he's like talking about the mouthfeel and he's using all these things like, but he has no clue. He's just parroting things that he has seen in like chef's table and whatnot. But it's, it's so funny to see the kind of like the pompousness. And one of my favorite parts is actually that the the chef is so upset that Margot, Anya Taylor-Joy's character doesn't seem interested in his food and it is like devastating him. He has to know why she's not interested in this food. It just, I don't know. There's so many little, little snarky moments and little subtle bits of humor in this, but then there's also some laugh out loud parts where it's just like, he just goes for it. And I, ah, this movie was a delight an utter delight. It's a delight. So I guess the comparison I would make if you're trying to find a comparison, I think, I think about like a Yorgos Lanthimos movie, but less deadpan. I I, mm. kind of, I got a Yorgos Lanthimos movie mm-hmm. vibe from it a little bit. They're not, again, I don't mean that as in they're very similar, but if you like the kind of really dark, kind of funny, but like really fucked up, twisted kind of vibe, it it, it, it is delightful. Horror comedy done right. It is. It is, it is horror comedy done right. Wild True Crime series. I feel like you've seen a lot of these uh, Wild True Crime series recently, Mary Beth. <laughs> what is going on over there? Okay, well, Steve, so Steve and I, like, love to watch true crime things together. Okay. Like, this is, like, we liked watching true crime, and he loves watching things. That he especially loves, like, documentaries and true crime series about rich people getting their comeuppance for being horrible people. Like, that is one of his favorite, like, specific subgenres of things, and I have started watching more of that with him. It started with... Um, the documentary about the housewife and the hustler, the Erica Jane and her husband. And like, I was like, oh my God, these are so much fun to watch together. So we have just, have grown. And especially because we were off last week and like with the wedding, we've been watching a lot of true crime. So Netflix and HBO Max have some really good, has a really, have really good selections. But the one that we watched last night is on HBO Max. It is a three part true crime miniseries that... Uh, we binged in the night and one night because I could not stop fucking watching it and it was like short enough but I, so it's called Low Country the Murdaugh Dynasty I tweeted okay. about this last night yes I did see that the kind of like very big TLDR here is that it's about the downfall of this family called the Murdaughs who are basically, basically considered southern mafia and they were the prosecutors in the low country of South Carolina for a hundred years. So basically like they ruled the area. So if any, it was good. It's like a good old boy, rich white guy system that no one ever got in trouble in those families because they knew all the cops and they could do whatever they wanted and could get away with anything they wanted. And you didn't want to be on the wrong side of them or you were fucked. So like, you know, like really great, really great stuff. And so this, this whole series documents both the history of the family and then like how in the span of about a year and a half, it all came crumbling down because the patriarch at the time, Alec and his two sons 
all committed heinous crimes and it all came together in like a, oh, these people are fucking horrendous. It's got so many deeply upsetting and wild twists and turns. And like, it's so infuriating because while the, the over are like the overarching story here is that like they, they, they fucked around and found out basically like they thought they could get away with things for a hundred years. And like, right. this is what happens now. Like rich people just can't keep getting away with it. You still get to see how they got away with it for a long time. And the people that they fucked over and the people they stole, from, like it's just fucked, but it's fucking fascinating. And I think hmm. I read a review on Letterboxd that I think I shared a similar sentiment with, but it's like, I like these documentaries about parts of America that you don't know about. And there's right. like these crazy dynamics that no one knows about in parts of the country that no one cares about. And they don't think about what like power dynamics look like outside of big cities. Right. So it's really interesting to see like those power dy- like what those power dynamics were like and how for a fucking century this family had an entire hold over like a huge swath of a single That's state. That's so wild. That's so wild. It's crazy. It involves boat accidents, hate crimes, and um a person hired to make someone's death look like a suicide. Oh. It's nuts. So if you like want like 3 hours of just absolutely bonkers white men committing disgusting crimes and getting their comeuppance for it most of them murder uh low country the murder dynasty on hbo max that's a call in your name all right yeah it's wild huh i don't know what to say about that fucking wild i don't even i there's i just it's just (laughs) it needs no other like kind of explanation it's just like i don't have to exaggerate anything like that's the whole like if that's not interesting to you then i'm not gonna be able to sell it to you (laughs) Like, there's nothing I can say if you don't find that fascinating from when you hear this, the description, the objective description, then, like, I, I don't know what to do for you. <laughs> anyway, um, there's I just, gosh, the South, but it's not even the South, it's Indiana. What about these beaver jokes? <laughs> Can't, not, I, there was no good connection. I'm in the South, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we watched uh, Zombievers, which is one of Trace's favorite horror comedies. Favorite I know Trace Thurman. fucking horror comedies. I've seen it twice now, and I appreciated it more on this watch than I did my first watch. But this is a lot. There's a lot going on in this in this uh, this movie, and I'm really curious to hear what you thought of Zombievers, Mary Beth. You know, a lot of people watch this movie like we're like oh this movie is so fun like it's ridiculous it's dot like it's called zombievers we all know have an expectation for something called zombievers so i was like i'm gonna go in with like that kind of my like mindset of like oh it's like so bad it's good it like comes back around i didn't get there i almost did but i didn't fully get there i didn't hate it i appreciated what it was doing i think it's better than i was surprised at it. it was better than it could have been so you know what? Overall, positive experience. <laughs> I, I mean, so the, as soon as the tits that... came out, I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "All right." So like, I gotta make an assessment quickly here because like, I don't really. Know. <laughs> Honestly, not the worst use of tits I've ever seen in horror. Anyway. No, no, I, pretty funny, I think. Uh, yeah. but, I mean, <laughs> the movie is is very basic. It's uh. A trio of girl of teen of women, twenty uh, something. I'm I'm guessing, yeah. college students, whatever. Say fuck boys and go to a cabin in the woods that is owned by one of them. The boys have a different plan and end up showing up. 
chemicals turn beavers into zombies. I love them. The, zomb- the beavers are so funny. They're practical, and I love them they so are. much. They're, they're so, so cute. F- they're so cute, which is hysterical to me because there's so much like there's there's obviously CGI moments like at the beginning when they hit the deer and there's like CGI guts coming off of the grill of the car and then the CGI dog piss, <laughs> but then they have these incredible pup like beaver puppets and I'm like, uh huh, this is such a bizarre experience, but I love the puppets. They're the puppets so good. Are great. And then once the 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 zombie <laughs> the zombie beavers bite people, they turn into zombie. <laughs> beaver people and end up getting like these giant buck teeth and act like and a beaver tail and start acting like beavers and the bear there's a bear that gets bit and turns into a zombie beaver bear there's a lot of really funny moments like that in this movie and i have to say the opening sequence is my favorite with the two truckers one played by john mayer is that good i was trying to figure out who that was i was like that person does look familiar. <laughs> yeah, John Mayer plays one of the the truckers, and they're having a casual conversation about dating men, <laughs> which is yep. such a weird, yep. a weird moment for me because it's like, yep. yeah, I dated a guy for a week, and it was like this. It was just this weird little non sequitur, but the the moment reminded me of like I think it was, I think it was Return of the Living Dead Part Two, where there's like a truck that ends up tossing a barrel of the trioxin in that movie into the water and that's where the tar man comes out of and turns into the zombie in the sequel well remake sequel type thing and this movie is the similar thing where a barrel gets falls into a water and turns the beavers into zombies and i don't know there's like i think your appreciation for this movie is going to hinge on how much or what your tolerance is for watching really bad people because these characters yeah. are terrible they're terrible like it's gross like and i think that's the i think i have a hard time with that sometimes with like i appreciate what you're doing and it is very funny and like for for what i think it it knows what it is for the most part so like Mm -hmm. it's like yes this is a movie about fucking zombievers like and people who turn in to zombie like it knows what it is but still ugh, they're gross people yeah. They're not great. I do think it's funny that the the blonde character who in, in traditional horror movies is usually like the sort of stuck up person that gets killed first. I do think that there's an interesting thing, uh, subtext here or like twist on a sub- subversion of the story because she's like the only character in the in the movie that's actually decent. Like she yeah. had her boyfriend cheat on her. She's there to like get away from them. You find out later that one of her friends cheated up uh, is the person that he was cheating with. Yeah. No, everyone seems to know but her and the one girl's boyfriend. Like I don't know. There's like a little subversion of that kind of expectation of who this character is going to be. Yeah. And then the final girl who, I mean, there's really no final characters in here because they all end up dying, thankfully. <laughs> but like <laughs> the one final girl that like, survives to the very end is the worst person and i just i don't know i just i think that there's some funny things going on in there but it is definitely uh, i love i will say i loved the really asshole friend i did lo- i was like you're making like she sucks but like you're kind of also making people love her like she sucks but mm-hmm. she's funny i don't like there was something about her that i was really into and like you know i'm used to this is 2014 we're still kind of a little bit in an era of yeah. like girls with their titties out and like obviously that's what this is but it also didn't feel like super like 
a wooga wooga, if that makes sense. It's more like making fun of all the creepy old guys and like mm. who are like staring at them, and it's more poking fun at the way that women are regarded and being like they can't even exist without. I, it's probably not that deep, but as I was, I was surprised. I know, that how fu- much credit do we give this movie? I know, but like- I know, I know, but like it just <laughs> that part surprised me because I'm used to a very certain way of the camera moving in movies like that when a girl takes her top off, and in this one it was a little less egregious, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know what? That's good for them. So, you know, thanks for subverting my expectations. This is a movie that my, I think epic the company i work for produced this or something and my when my mom like found out when i got my new job which my mom looked up the company and she's like did you know that your company made the movie zombievers <laughs> i was like yep i did the amount of uh beaver jokes in this movie oh my god just With looking Buck, for some beavers aren't, aren't we, we all, all? I've never seen a real beaver up before up close. Well, maybe you should try going down on me once in a while. It's just... There's a lot. <laughs> it's so good. It's just... It's, of course. I mean, like, honestly, I I prefer that they lean into it. it. It does, again, let you know. We know what we're doing. Oh, you know what you're getting. And yet we're somehow... I don't know. The practical effects are really good in this movie. They are. And, like, the, zomb- the zombie people, like, again, shockingly well done. Yeah. For what it is. For what it is. I do love the part at the beginning where there's like a bear and they're all just sitting there in their bathing suits. Just ba- I don't know why that's so funny to me. Just like, okay. It's just, again, it knows what it is. It's just fucking fun. It's just fun. It's funny. It is very, it's very funny. It's silly. It's, it, it's a, in the vein, I think a little bit like thanks killing, but not as bad in terms mm. of just being like ridiculous and funny. Mm-hmm. And it's it knows exactly what it is. And it's fun to watch because it's not trying to do anything other than be a silly movie. Better made than thanks killing. But yeah, but yeah around I, that type. You know of... what I like the kind of no, like I do vibe around it. Oh, God, thanks mm-hmm. killing. Anyway, God, this movie. Yeah, I mean, I had fun watching it. I think also because I'd watched the menu and bones and all, and I was like, I need something to just like wipe my brain. Empty. This will do a great job of that. And like, I appreciate that it served mm-hmm. a, it served its purpose, and I it respect is. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's dumb, but it's, it's fun. It's dumb, but it's fun. And you know what? It's the best kind of movie. But then, okay, so we're almost done. With horror comedies. I think we're doing two yes. more. So what are we doing next week, Terry? So next week, we're going to watch a movie that I don't think either of us have seen. Uh, Kevin Smith's Tusk. I've been wanting to see this movie for a while. I just have never gone around to it. So uh, go from I'm so excited. I'm one horror so... comedy about teeth to another one. But who are we talking with on Monday, Mary Beth? Oh, on Monday, we are chatting with Devon Taylor, the co-host of the newly renamed Spectre Cinema Club, formerly known as the Bloody Blunts Cinema Club. And he brought with him iconic movie, Jumanji, a movie that defined my childhood. Uh, I had not seen it in a long time. It is a dark as fuck movie. I don't think I realized how dark it was when I was a kid. It was an incredible conversation because boy oh boy is Jumanji a dark fucking movie. Surprisingly dark. dark. We talk a lot about poor characters getting sucked into the board. We talk about (laughs) people dealing with 26 years of life being stuck in a kid's body. (laughs) We talk about about, bad CGI monkeys. With trauma with your parents. 
a lot of trauma. Uh, it was a good conversation about a movie that surprised me with how dark it was. Because again, I had not seen it like you since probably when I first watched it. But yeah, good conversation. Very good conversation. So listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch or listen to one of the things that we talked about this week? Do you have suggestions for our next series and what we should cover? Uh, send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe and support us through Patreon where you can watch these wonderful videos. You can hear our Fresh Wounds episode that we launched this month about... What did we talk about this month? Megan is missing! We talked about Megan is missing. <laughs> I tried to wipe yeah. that one straight out. I think I did too. My mind was like, nope. I literally was done. like, what? I it was like an egg cracked. I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah, I think my mind was trying to protect myself from that <laughs> fucking movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, so thank you to Eric Power for artwork. Thank you to Sean <laughs> Keller for music. Thank you everyone for listening and or watching. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.